Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC. Morning, everybody. Welcome to Sunday morning. It's the 13th of November. Uh, The travel plans that you may have for later, I would avoid driving in central London, seriously, because the whole of the Mall, Trafalgar Square, Parliament Square will all be taken up. Uh, The security is coming in already, so already we've got road closures out there for 11 o'clock when Her Majesty the Queen will lay her wreath at the Cenotaph. Uh, leaving Corrie after 55 years, Emily's out of the street. But she's not really told them. They've just said she's been resting for a little while. She's 85. Uh, the brothers who died in each other's arms. It's a war story. I was watching a whole programme the other day about tunnels at the Somme. Quite unbelievable. Quite unbelievable story. And uh, and what else? Oh, loads. I must tell you about these these tunnels, first of all. It, I, I sort of stumbled across a, across a channel called Yesteryear or something like that. And they obviously do lots of things on the war. And this was a... They've been out to the Somme. And the Somme has changed very little, for, apart from the fact it's all grown up and there's grass and things like that. But the this war was fought underground. And the tunnels are still there. So after 100 years, I think they said, they uh, they... They go down the tunnels. I mean, some of them have not been explored for ages. I mean, these people were living in the most appalling conditions. But the one thing that they did do is they left their mark. And they brought this couple over from, might have been Canada. And their father was in the... So they took them through this woodland. They go, what are we going to see? And he said, uh, well, you'll, you'll see in a minute. So they go through this woodland. It's all very pretty when you consider that it would have been uh, battle-scarred with uh, sort of dead soldiers all over the place. And... They all of a sudden come to a little little clearing, and there is two sort of big metal plates. And you lift them up, and there is a sheer drop down. I think it goes 24 feet down. So, and, and you go to these tunnels, which were hewn by men, and they take them along there, um, this, this couple... Uh, I think it's, uh, it's husband and wife, but it was his father who died at the Somme, uh, probably right above where he was. And what had he done? He'd written his name on the wall. A lot of the soldiers wrote their name and their rank on the wall. And he'd written his name. So they'd never seen it before. They, they go down the tunnels and he goes, look, you can see where sort of soldiers have written their things. He said, and here, here's your father. And that was the first time that people had seen it in a 100 years. I mean, it was the most amazing thing. But even more amazing was the fact that there was another guy there and his son and they'd... They had a, um, a compass, a compass, which because he was a scout and he needed the compass to find out where everything was. And they just had the compass. And they said, that was our dad's compass. And they said, listen, we, we have something for you. They go to this barn. This woman runs a museum. What she got, she doesn't even know this, this couple at all. She's got the leather case that goes with the compass, which is inscribed with his dad's name on it. And he goes, it's unbelievable. He said, now they're together, the compass and the leather case. And he gives her the compass. He said, you keep that, he said, because you've looked after the leather case. And I think now these two things are together, and I think it's right that you look after them. Well, I'm sitting there with floods of tears thinking, this is the most amazing thing ever. But it's the fact that the whole of the Somme is literally honeycombed with these tunnels. I mean, there are thousands of yards of them. One of them goes for like three kilometres. Three 
three main tunnels lost for 90 years underground. And they're, I mean, must have been backbreaking, but they found time to write their names on the walls of the tunnels, which, to be honest with you, I should imagine, you know, you'd have been quite worried up above where all hell was breaking loose. And the guy who signed his name and then his son saw it later, he died right above there because they had to come out. It must have been just the most awful thing ever. Conditions were, were terrible. And that's why you buy a poppy. That's why you buy... It doesn't cost very much to buy. You can give, you can give £100 if you want to buy a poppy. You can give 20 pence. They don't care. It's just buying a poppy. It's buying something to remember those people. And last night at the Royal Albert Hall, they have the Festival of Remembrance. I always laugh because they do two shows. Two shows. They do a, an afternoon show, then they do an evening show. The reason they have a gap between them is because they've got to sweep up all the poppies. Each poppy represents the life of a person who died in battle and fighting for this country, fighting overseas, fighting all over the place. It's the most moving ceremony you will ever see in your entire life. If you've never seen it before, go to YouTube, type in Festival of Remembrance, and uh, it's, it's just the most fantastic thing ever. So whatever inconvenience we're going to get today, and believe you me, I complain about inconvenience in London all the time. You know, nowhere to park, had to come in on the bus, clutching my little bag with my oranges in it, thinking, God... I'm going to stick out like a sore thumb on this bus, you know, unless I'm sort of being all leery and being all drunk. But at the end of the day, uh, the royal family will uh, will come out. The Queen's wreath this year is lighter than usual because uh, she's, she's getting on a bit. and She doesn't want to lift some heavy old wreath. Although normally I thought somebody could carry it for her. Uh, Nigel Farage meets Donald Trump. That one runs and runs, doesn't it? Doesn't it run and run? Let's, let's actually admit that... Donald Trump doesn't know diddly squat about politics. I think we've all established that he knows nothing at all. He's a businessman and he's a crook and he's, uh, he's a deceiver. He's everything. He's had to tell lies. He's done everything because that's what people in business do, whether you like it or not. It's a hard fact. So Farage has uh, been out and meeting it. Isn't that funny? All Theresa May gets is a phone call. Farage gets to go out to meet him. What does that tell you? What does that tell you? And then somebody said to me, oh, have you heard what they've done with a bit of your programme? I love the interior of, of Trump's flat. Gold, gold lift. I mean, that, that, that's me. That's me to a T. That is absolutely me. I, I could live in that lift. Anyway, so on Friday, was it? Fr- no, th- Friday. Friday, we had uh, Paul Smith, the newsreader. And uh, he, he told me, I mean, he claims afterwards that, uh, that, um, that uh, he didn't give me permission to talk about it, that he's a fan of Susan Boyle. And uh, he bought her record and he's got a picture taken with her. And he sent me a text the other day saying I'm deeply embarrassed and all the rest of it. Well, unbeknownst to me. So we're having a conversation. I'm having a conversation on air about his Susan Boyle addiction. And unbeknownst to me, because I never know who's actually listening, my friend Mr Moyles is listening. And he works for another radio station and he needs my help in boosting his audience. And so he mentions me as often as possible and... We weave him into my programme occasionally. Anyway, somebody on his programme, it's either him or, or Dave. Could, could, have been, could have been him, actually. And uh, they, they, they put together this one-sided conversation. Well, it had them in fits of laughter. I was tweeting about it the other day. So if you haven't heard it, listen to it, because it's, it's terribly funny. And what it is, it's the one-sided conversation between me. He thinks it's the producer, but of course, actually, it's, it's with uh, Mr Smith, the newsreader, about his addiction to Susan Boyle, but they decided to add a little bit extra, as Mr Moyles now explains. You've got to understand that Steve is basically talking to his producer, but you don't hear this on the radio. We have added in extra audio, but it will be clear. Are you ready? Yeah. Here is Steve Allen from LBC. 
If we get into a sexist row over men not playing the dame, we're in real trouble. Absolutely. She's obviously... Perhaps she's got something coming up and she needs some publicity. Oh, God. Is he very angry still? That's really, seriously unhappy. Well, we've had Subo. She's phoned me in the studio and she said, how's everything down south? And I went, it's fine. And so she's sending me a free copy of her album... Which is... Oh, no, lovely, look. Oh. Aren't you lucky that people care? You won't better go to sleep tonight. I think you're very lucky that people care enough that they're sending you pictures of the woman that you adore. <laughs> Don't upset him, honestly. It's bad enough as it is. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, really? Oh, God. I have absolutely. I absolutely have. I absolutely have. I have. I have. I walked up the stairs. <laughs> oh, I love the way we suddenly forget. Oh, hello. Oh. I clarify, you've never been in my bedroom. I so have. Only for, well, of course, only for a tour. What else did you... Oh, God in heaven. HR, hello. Well, you removed the Subo pictures. I knew that they were on the wall because there was the blue tack still up there. Didn't you have one of Susan Boyle on the beach? In our broth? <laughs> that is just brilliant. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. That has just made my day. Uh, Dave put it together. I had to play it back to you because it was so funny. Because I didn't. Somebody said to me, Oh, you've been done with Sooty and Sweep. And I went, I don't know what you're talking about. I couldn't quite work out why, because as you probably know, I have popped in on his programme on the occasion. But I now remember why he shouted at me. Do you remember, uh, on, on Friday I go out to go and do something and he shouts and I thought, I'm sure he's just called my name. Anyway, I couldn't, uh, I, I went to the toilet, came back in again. And Chris said, oh, he's, I think uh, he was just calling for you. I said, oh, right, well, I can't, I want to go home. So we actually nipped out really quickly, not realising what it was. He was obviously going to play to us, but I mean, it had them all in fits of love. We thought it was great. We thought it was really, really funny. And if, if nothing else, it'll drag more listeners into the programme of just how bizarre sometimes it gets. And it is bizarre. It is bizarre. When I looked through the papers this morning, and uh, it's even more bizarre because we're in darkness, because there's a power cut and it's taken out the newsroom. So when I first walked in, the Zora huddled over a candle and uh, none of the computers are on because there's no power, which means there's also no power in the kitchen because it's an electric pump that powers the tap. So that's gone off as well. So basically, and also your pass when open the doors, that nothing comes on. So we're in, we're, we're, we're where we are normally. Not that it makes any difference to you if you're listening in stereo. I'm coming out of the left-hand speaker. Now the right-hand speaker. OK, get that one. And, um, and so at least here it's fine, but through, through there it's like going on a ghost train. really is. Uh, so what have we got today? What have we got? Uh, David Beckham made 11 million quid last year through selling his image, so people could use his image. Um, da, 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 da. What do we have here? Oh, um, that dog, Walnut, who went for his last one. I watched it on Friday. We did it on the programme, and I think this morning picked up. I think Martin Frizzell heard it and thought, that's a really good story. And uh, it gathered momentum. So they interviewed the owner of Walnut with Walnut on this morning. Uh, when they go back, Ruth's in tears. Seriously, I've never seen anybody affected by an interview so much. And uh, Aim, and she's going, it's really difficult. Because what, what they were doing, because Walnut is, is quite old. It's a great name, isn't it, for a whippet. And um, after the walk, which, of course, he didn't do, they had to carry him, um, 
uh, he was then going to put to S-L-E-E-P, which they did at 11.30 yesterday morning, which is, you know, I know we think it's... Can't, do you think the dog's going, I'm fine, I'm really fine, Don't please don't do this to me? Because that's the way I think. I always think, gosh, unless it's an animal is in really in pain. But uh, loads of people turned up for it, it went down really well, and it, it got loads of... It's still in the papers this morning, Walnut's Final Walk. You know, it's, it's a, he only meant it to go to a few sort of dog owners, and it kind of went, went viral, but it's the fact that... Uh, Ruth and Eamon were very badly affected by it. I think dog owners would be affected by it anyway, knowing exactly how he would be uh, feeling. Uh, plus the other uh, story in the paper today, Amazon say Christmas starts tomorrow. So we're early for Black Friday, which is the day that everybody goes mad. They've got all sorts of deals going on. Um, do I want to guess at who I think could be eliminated from... I don't know. I'm hoping it's Ed Balls. I'm seriously hoping it's Ed Balls, but I have a sneaking feeling it probably might not be. Does, does Ian Dale... He, he what? He claps the television, does he? I, re- I heard something about that. What was he talking... I was listening to Ian Dale when I was going home on Friday. Uh, I came back into town for lunch. God, what a nightmare. I'm trying to find somewhere to park is a pain and a half. But, uh, yes, Ed Balls. He says, I'm home in my sitting room. I actually stood up and clapped at the end of it. Am I deranged? Yes. Yes. Is Ian Dale deranged? I'm sorry, there's a joke that goes along with that, isn't it? Give me 20 words on why you think Ian Dale is deranged about Ed Balls. Very funny. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. So Lego are not going to be with the Daily Mail anymore, and the Daily Mail have said uh, they're not going to be with Lego. So, uh, one point to Lego, I assume. And uh, also, John Lewis have done a statement. They say, we never make an editorial judgment on a particular newspaper and fully appreciate the strength of feeling on this one. What were they complaining about? Were they complaining about Lego? Oh, right. So stop funding hate campaign and that. Good Lord above, honestly. And then the GQ Awards. It is a, a bit of a victory for Gary Lineker, isn't it, really? Who was outpictured at the GQ Awards. How much is he getting from the BBC a year? Two and a half million, I heard. Two and a half million. It's not bad, is it? I used to like Lego. I haven't had Lego for years, but we used to get great. But then we only had uh, red and white Lego. Now they make it in all different colours. We used to have a Lego shop in Kingston, and you could go in there and pick up bundles of Lego and stuff like that, because it was sort of great. Uh, then after that was Sticklebricks, which was cl- slightly bigger. Little bit, yes, Duplo. And, uh, but I still like Lego. I used to make the same thing, a wall. There was nothing else you could make. And that was it. Although I had something years ago, which I thought was quite unique. Uh, and I'm not sure if I've seen it since or I haven't. But I got given for Christmas one year bricks. Proper little bricks made out of brick. Made out of brick. They Little tiny bricks. They were about, oh, an inch long. And you got cement and you mixed up the cement and you could build a brick house. Proper bricks. Made of bricks. And and I remember thinking, this is quite flash. It was sort of one up from the usual sort of plastic thing. This was brick, proper brick, just small miniature versions of bricks. And so you could build a house or in my case, a wall again. I just got, I just, you know, I just I just made walls. I can remember spending ages making an aircraft with my dad. I can I could take you to the house where we made it. And it was on the dining room table for ages. And you put out the map. The, the drawing of what, what we were making out of balsa wood. And you got all the balsa wood, and we had pins, and you matched the balsa wood to the drawing that you had to make a plane that eventually would be covered with tissue paper, and then you could take it out. We were living at REF Coningsby uh, at the time, and we took it out onto it. After we'd made it, it took forever. 
forever. I'd come back in, my dad would say, let's have another go at the plane, shall we? He's thinking, oh, he's trying to butch me up. And so we'd sort of, you know, you hammer the nails in. So it made it, my mother went mental about, about the dining room table. And, um, and so, and then we, we did that, glued it. And then it used to have an elastic band down the middle and a propeller and you wound it up. And then this, the idea was that it took off and then it glided down because we had use of the runways there. Obviously a bit stupid if planes were coming in because it was a fairly busy airfield, Collingsby. And uh, I remember taking it out. We sort of carried it meticulously down to the airfield. We'd spent the best part of six months making this blasted thing, covering it in tissue paper, gluing it all in. It was all perfect. It, we wound up the propeller. My dad said, you ready? And we threw it in the air and it went up and it came right down and smashed to pieces. And I looked at him as if to say, well, what a waste of six months that was. It was just ridiculous, just ridiculous. So we never made those again. It was easier not to make them. Um, somebody says, are you watching The X Factor? I'm not watching The X Factor. I wish I could say I was, but I'm not. I'm not remotely interested. I couldn't care less about Honey G and all the other groups on there. Uh, little Julie says, wish Shelley in Brentford a very happy birthday for today. So many happy returns. And um, I watched the Festival of Remembrance on uh, TV, says Ken. And the tears flowed when they introduced the two ladies who were the ATA pilots. I met one of them a few years ago at Battle of Britain Memorial Day in Kent. Lovely lady. I could have listened to her experiences all day. They should always be remembered. Oh, it's the most amazing thing. Absolutely most amazing thing. It really is. I don't... Uh, I've always bigged it up. I just I can't think of anything else that you can say about it that, that bigs it up even more than, uh, than what I can say about it. Because I just think it's the most tremendous... Thing and you feel like saying, I've I've heard people say before. I wish these people were here, and uh, and they could see exactly what we're doing for them. That we haven't forgotten them at all. Eight four eight five zero Steve at lbc dot co dot uk. Steve, you said Auntie Enid has a trampoline. That made me laugh. Well, I mean, I know you must have been listening to the in conversation with Nadia Sawala. When she, she was asking, actually. Uh, Poppy Cabs, Francis, says, All the wonderful London Black Cabs volunteering to collect and deliver veterans to the Cenotaph free of charge. Generous people looking after other great people. If I had a cab, I'd be doing it as well. I would be doing it. I would be doing it. Read Birdsong by Sebastian Fawkes. It's about those allies and the Germans who dug and lived in those tunnels, setting explosives under each other's lines. Sometimes the tunnels clash. They'd be fighting all the way down there in the dark. Yes, yeah, so it was. It was quite some. It's the fact that they're there. It's the fact that they are there. It's just. It's just unbelievable that all this time on birdsong is. Uh, I mean, Sebastian Forks. We were trying to get in, and for some reason, it never actually happened. Um, and uh, he talks about the British soldier. This is in a birdsong uh, on the front line in Armines during the First World War. And uh, he developed the novel to bring more public awareness to the experience of war remembered by World War I veterans. Because they're out there, and you'll see them today on the television. You'll see the veterans today on the television. They'll be there, and uh, they'll be proudly wearing their medals, and they'll be proudly marching. And uh, some of them don't have very much now. But if it wasn't for, for them, you wouldn't be listening to this programme. There's not that many veterans left, are there, really? I mean, how, how many from World War I have we got left? Is there none at all now? Everybody has gone now. I remember when they, they, when they brought them out, there was one. I can't remember his name. Was it Harry somebody? I've just got a... F- Harry... I can't remember. It was Harry somebody. And I remember, my God, you know, he, he was sort of wheeled out. And Harry Patch. Harry Patch. He died in... Look at him, honestly. He was conscripted uh, into the army at the age of 18. He died at the age of 111. 
and uh, raised in uh, Coombe Down, near Bath. He'd been living in a care home. Wow. Um, the sole British survivor of the war is former seaman Claude Schulz, who's 108 and lives in Perth, Australia. We think he's since passed away, but I remember Harry Patch, because he fought at... Uh, at a battle in World War One, Amazing, isn't it? Claude, let's have a look. Claude, yeah, he died 2011. An English-Australian. My God, these people, what stories. How to survive. He was the, Claude was the last surviving combat veteran of the First World War. I mean, what, a, what an honour. What an honour to, uh, to be that person. God, we have no idea what they went through. Not a thing. But you must, you must watch that channel yesteryear or whatever it is. Because it's got all these things about the war. You'll love it. You'll absolutely love it. It just sort of puts it into perspective what they were going through. Even they, they were just filming and you saw men go over the top. And literally they got to the top, they were mown down. And people are then stepping over the... But you're watching it. You're watching real life. You're watching the end of somebody's life who sort of... They go over the top, up and over, taken out. Thousands. 70,000, I think. 70,000 at, uh, at Eeps. Oh, dear. Anyway, um, what have we got in the papers today? Um, things a little bit more cheerful. Well, sort of more cheerful or not more cheerful, depending on whether you want to go for Ola Jordan and her dreary quest to sort of make something of herself. I don't really know what she can do apart from just get her boobs out. That's about as far as it goes, I think. I don't think there's anything else. And she's practically done that anyway. Uh, Harry's girl comes over for two days. God, I bet they were exhausted. Uh, it's, it's a long... I mean, couldn't he just go and see her? It's not exactly he's got loads of things on, is it, at the moment? He's just to go out and shake a hand or something. And then the Harry goes to the rugby. Uh, and he doesn't take Megan. She's flown back. Instead, he takes somebody... Uh, called Princess Charlene of Monaco. She's uh, the wife of Prince Albert. Um, she looks royal. Harry called... Harry's doing the old stick-in-the-thumbs-up thing. She must be looking at him thinking, are you sure we're related? Oh, God. But anyway, Meghan's, uh, Meghan's gone off home. She didn't get any coverage in going home. What a shame. I thought they'd have seen her sort of walking to the aircraft, getting on the aircraft, waving, doing something. Uh, Ola Jordan, I'm insecure about my body. Oh, God, we're all insecure about your body, darling. We've seen so much of it. But um, she says, people pose in the shower, but how do you wash your bits? You have to cheapen it, don't you? But there again, that's all you know. You only know cheap. You don't, you don't know anything else, really. Uh, Potty Honey G says, legalise weed. We've come around our way, don't we? We've got loads of weeds. Seriously, loads of weeds, but the side of the road, everything's a roundabout in Richmond, full of weeds. Come around and sort those out for us, and then we can get rid of you. So much easier. Uh, 84850. Steve says, Patricia, you're offering to help Trump with all your mentions of your wall-building experience. God, I thought nobody had seen through that one. I thought nobody had seen that one. But somebody wrote to me the other day after I wrote to it. It's so funny. People, people are so, so weird. And... Um, saying, what was it? Oh, that's right. After, after I'd mentioned uh, Mr Moyles and this, the making of this very funny sweet thing <laughs> and all this kind of stuff, which we thought was hilarious. And uh, somebody said, oh, you know, after all those things you said about him when he was on another radio station, as if, as if he's never mentioned that to me, as if he's gone, oh, you said something about me, Steve. They, they, it was sort of like they were a bit peculiar, this person. I thought, perhaps they're a bit simples, a bit simple. What do you think? You think, you think these people don't know what I say about them? Of course they do. Do you seriously think it's made any difference? Nope. I mean, yeah, he thought it was funny. He thought it was funny, but somebody obviously thought, you know, I'm going to write right to Chris Moyles and tell him what you've been saying about him. What? <laughs> like, he doesn't know. These people are so simple. They don't have any friends, so they sort of, they try and sort of interfere in other people's lives. Really bizarre. Very, not, not normal at all, is it, really? Uh, the tributes to the tram crash victims. 
uh, united in grief, and they've got pictures up. There's uh, there's one this week of a, a young guy called Mark Smith. So there were seven lives uh, which were lost, and 50 people were injured. Uh, there's also... Oh, um, you know that uh, Mr Hall came out. This is Stuart Hall. He's now living on an estate. I don't know where his money went, presumably on legal fees. Somebody said it might have gone on legal fees. And he's living on this estate, and somebody said, but he's, he's living on an estate full of kids. Well, most estates are full of kids. Wherever he goes, there's going to be children. But if the prison services decided that he's fine to release out of prison, then that's what it is, unless you're going to hold something against somebody for the rest of their life. That's like saying, you know, had the craze been alive and we let them out to live in the community, would they have murdered again? Would they have broken people's wrists and things like that? The answer is probably not. I mean, it's understood he moved to this three-bed semi, which he rents from a friend around three months ago. He's been freed on licence since December. So, you know, he's, he's been out for quite a while and a friend's got this place and he's let him have it, you know. Mind you, can't stop at the moment. You know, we, we haven't seen any of these uh, stories in the, in the papers that we did about a year ago. A year ago, it was just one person after another. It was amazing. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. 26 minutes to six. And then that bizarre story the other day of a girl... 14, who claimed she was bundled into a car by two men and subjected to a horrific rape. And people are going, this is absolutely awful. And then the police come back and say, it didn't happen. And I thought, what do you mean it didn't happen? They apparently checked CCTV. They checked dash cams. They checked everything of people who were in the area at the time. And they claim it didn't happen. And then, and then it just sort of got forgotten, and I, I then got confused. I got very, very confused by it. The, the actual story is this schoolgirl who claimed she was abducted and raped. Uh, they've ruled out, the police, that she was kidnapped. Thames Valley police have issued a statement ruling out that the girl was abducted. She told police that a man grabbed her at a busy junction, bundled her into a waiting car in September. The student said another man was in the driving seat and immediately drove away. Uh, she told police the men then raped her before she managed to escape, raised the alarm by knocking on doors on a nearby housing estate. A spokesman for Thames Valley Police said the evidence gathered indicates the reported abduction did not take place. So specially trained officers and staff from the police, Oxfordshire County Council, Children's Services, Health and other agencies. I mean, there's loads of people involved in this now. This would be, you know, a huge amount of people will continue to work with the victim at her pace. But they're saying it didn't happen. So what do you mean, at her pace? This is the bit where I actually got a bit confused about. Officers said they'd carried out a thorough review, including sifting through CCTV and dash cam footage, as well as gathering witness statements. Uh, EFIT images of two men inv investigators wanted to trace in connection with the report were publicly issued a fortnight after the girl came forward. No arrests have been made. They uh, also investigated possible links between another case and this one, but are yet to have found any information at all. This was a 19-year-old who was sexually assaulted by two men while heading home in Headington. But they're now saying that this this second one didn't happen. They, and I don't, I don't quite understand. If they're actually working with her, she claimed she was abducted and raped, and they've said there's no evidence for this. They can't find it. And it, it, and it came up on the news, and I remember looking at it thinking, so did it happen or did it not happen? Is, is this girl ill? Is, is there something, you know, I think we should be told. But when you look how many people are involved in trying to sort this out, you think maybe there are deeper issues here that we don't know about. The trouble is people do 
tell fibs. People do tell little white lies. Sometimes the lie escalates into something that you've got no control of and it bounds along uh, at such a pace, gathering as much information as it can. And so it's a case of what, where do we go from here? And we have to try and offer counselling to somebody who might be ill. We don't know. She might be a fantasist. We have no idea. But all these different people have got to get uh, in place and they've got to try and sort it out. It's terrible, isn't it, really? Absolutely terrible. That was just one of the stories I didn't understand last week. The other one was, how in God's name did Donald Trump ever get elected president of the United States of America? Uh, my grandfather, says Martin, fought in the trenches in World War One. An uncle was tail gunner in World War Two. My late father was an intelligence officer, listening to the Russians, uh, while co-opted from University International Service. And me, well, let's just say OSA covers me. Thank you. Uh, separated at birth, Honey G and Jonathan King. Never thought about that, Gaynor. There's, a th- there's one to think on. Simon says the programme's called Unearthing World War One. It's on the Yesterday channel on Freeview, Channel 19. Uh, thank you, Stephen Dartford, for that as well. And, uh, and then somebody says, is Honey G for real? Can't sing for toffee. I know, that's, that's the stupid thing, isn't it? It's a joke. And the joke is at your expense. The joke is at your expense because they put her out on tour. She's just the most ridiculously stupid character I've ever seen. Whether she looks like Jonathan King, I don't know. It's just ridiculous. It's an old woman wearing a silly hat. It's just really ridiculous. It's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. She's not a proper rapper. Well, yeah, we actually think da- David Cameron's a much better likeness to her. Those silly, you know, cheap glasses she's wearing. It's just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculously stupid. But if that's the state of television programmes nowadays, so be it. So be it. Uh, Stop the annual pop at Poppies, writes Rachel Bletchley in the uh, paper today. She's talking about the fact that the one show put uh, Poppies on, is it Honey, the Cookie Monster? What a stupid producer that would be who went to Let's Boy. I mean, put it this way, how disrespectful. How disrespectful. Somebody at the one show, we always knew, thought they were a bit stupid there. You know, for sort of booking all sorts of people. They've been slammed for... I mean, to be honest with you, the producer should be fired immediately. How to take the mickey out of something. How to absolutely, you know, bring it down to such a level that a glove puppet has a poppy stuck on it. I mean, seriously. That producer should be fired immediately. Absolutely. It's it's just an absolute joke. An absolute joke. Mind you, the whole one show is a bit of a joke anyway, isn't it, really? But uh, to put, a, a, you know, a poppy on, it's just... It's taking the mickey out of people who lost their lives. I'm sorry to say it, sorry to say it, that uh, the puppet was on the show to discuss. What was he on the show to discuss? Or it was on the show to discuss? Go back to it. Go back to it. It was on the show to discuss sightseeing in London and British biscuits. What? Even more of a take, isn't it, really? Absolutely awful. But many, uh, many thought the BBC show's producers. Do they have producers on that show or do they just have children who have no idea? Oh, should we put a poppy on it? Yeah. Do you know what it means? No, it's just red. It'll go funny. It'll look funny. Disgraceful. It really is. Hundreds of viewers took to social media. I mean, you don't put a poppy on Cookie Monster. That's just ridiculous. It's a puppet, for Christ's sake. Really annoying. Anyway, 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 anyway. Uh, happy stories. Happy stories. Pawnbrokers shut 68 shops. Do people still go to pawnbrokers? This is one of Britain's biggest lending chains. It's called Cash Generator. And um, this is o- over interest rates. So they've had to scale down. There's another sister company. It's an American company, incidentally, Cash Generators. And uh, what they're doing is they're, they say, we're undertaking a consultancy process with employees about a potential restructuring. I suppose there must be people out there who go in there 
and they've uh, they've got a phone they don't want or something like that. And they uh, and they sell it. And that generates money, and then somebody else goes in and buys it. But uh, it's a bit bad in this day and age. That's a bit, well, pawnbroking's been around for ages. You know, many society. In fact, I still think that in Fleet Street there is um, uh, there is a one. Uh, if you look up, as you're going down, is it on the right or the left? I can't. The right or the left? I, can't, I think it's on the left hand side. It's three balls, and that was the sign of the pawnbroker. Why three balls? I've got no idea. I've got no idea. But it was three balls, and that is, uh, that's the sign of the pawnbroker. So you could go in there. Oh, there is one in Fleet Street. Oh, there you go. I was quite right, actually. This is uh, Sutton's and Robertson's, and they're the three balls. They proudly opened their doors many, many years ago, I think in 2011. And uh, you can be assured of discretion. It's the sort of place you can go into and say, listen, I've got a Bentley and Arge, Mullen a tea. And uh, I'm looking for a bit of money. How much are you looking for? it? Oh, not too much, you know. Few, few thousand pounds. Uh, they will give you secured loans of up to a million pounds. I mean, but it's the fact that they've got the pawnbroker out there. But do we know why it's three balls? I suppose it's because once you've given your stuff in there, they've got you by those uh, little things. I can't think of anything else, actually. It's quite quite a rare thing to see. Uh, three ba- Oh, that's right. It, it was uh, three bags of rocks. The three ball symbol became a family crest for the House of Lombard, which was a banking community. So that, that's what it was, actually. And, and then the, the other question is, what do the three balls hanging outside a pawn shop mean? It means that they've got you by them and they're going to squeeze very tightly. <laughs> so that's it. So most European towns call the pawn shop the Lombard. And the House of Lombard was a banking community in medieval Londinium. According to legend, a Medici employed by the Charlemagne slew a giant using three bags of rocks. The three ball symbol became the family crest. So now you know. And so you don't uh, don't learn anything. They're bringing back um, um, the nasty people to bait the Big Brother housemates, and they think Nasty Nick Bateman could be set to return. And this is to mark the twentieth appearance of the reality show. Uh, Nick became a national hate figure when he appeared on the first ever series of the show. He was the only contestant not to be nominated for eviction after lying to the housewi- housemate about losing his wife in a car crash. Do you remember that? I remember watching it. I used to. No, well, he was nasty, Nick, because he was just a bit... Um, I knew somebody who used to go out with him. Can't tell you who. She said in bed he used to keep his vest on. <laughs> Not sure why I was told that, but anyway. Uh, other people they were thinking of uh, doing in there um, is... Um, who else? It's called the All-Star Big Brother. They're thinking uh, Paris Hilton or James Jordan. Oh, poor old James. That career's disappeared, hasn't it? Honestly, sit at home, dear. Start learning needlework or patchwork quilting or something like that while the, uh, while the bimbo wife goes out there and starts talking about I'm not confident about my body, having taken her kit off at every opportunity. It's now beginning. Please put your clothes back on again, darling. Nobody is interested. Unless you're going to start renting yourself out or something, you know, by the hour. And ta-ta-ta. many of these American-type pawnbrokers have had their fingers burnt, Steve, trying to expand over here. Obviously, people need to raise money, don't they? People need to raise money. And if you need to raise money, where do you go? If the bank won't lend you any, then you have to go to a pawnbroker. And that's what they say on, on Posh Porn. They've got that one in America as well, over at Ghastly Place. What an ugly family. <laughs> I've been to it in Vegas. Dreadful one. The place is like an absolute dump. Porn stars, it's dreadful. You know, inside, there's hardly anything for on sale, and also, nobody's interested. All it is is merchandising for this ghastly-looking family. Fat, overweight children, you know, giving you thruppence for your your treasured items, and people sit in there. And then there was another one where they've expanded, and it's huge, and it's all, you know, it's father and son, and 
daughter is in on it. I don't know. I lose track of these things. But in America, it's big business. Big, big business. And so now they do programmes on the television about them. And, uh, and we sit there and watch. We've got one in this country. So we've got one here, which is quite nice. And uh, do you remember when John Warrington says the other Danny Cohen couldn't understand why people with tattoos on their arms could walk around in winter wearing only a T-shirt? You told him that the tattoo ink mixes with the blood and keeps the body warm. And that's why you only ever see people with tattooed arms only wearing short-sleeved tops when the temperature drops to zero. You never tell him it was a wind-up. Don't tell him that. Don't tell him that. He'll be listening to this programme. I get myself into dreadful trouble. Can't, can't talk about things like this. Um, another one here. On the... Yes, if somebody phones up the Magical Hour with, uh, with James O'Bridian. Sorry, Brian. I gave his real name away there, didn't I? Uh, and uh, so he is from, from the O'Bridian side of the family in uh, County Kildare, I believe. That's where the family go back to. And um, I think they were, they were peat cutters or something like that. You can ask him about it on the Magical Hour. He'll, he'll tell you all about the family history, about how they... Yeah, of course, and, and if he tells you, and it's comfort, it's true. Okay, it's as simple as that. We don't we don't tell fibs. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. It's nice to have your company. It's Sunday morning. Uh, Central London will stop at eleven o'clock this morning for two minutes of silence. Two minutes of silence. We'll be observing that on LBC in Katie Hopkins' program. So she'll be doing the two minute silence, and uh, you can. It's just an opportunity to. Remember, people, it's nothing, is it, really? I've seen so many comments in the papers about it's two minutes out of your life. It's nothing at all. The trouble is you just have to accept the fact that tourists don't understand what it is at all. So they ju- they'll just carry on. They just think it's... I was, I was on the bus yesterday going to Richmond to go and buy whatever it was. I don't, I've discovered something. There's a woman who's working in Robert Dias in Richmond. She's not... This is going to sound really awful, but... If, if you go in somewhere, say like a Starbucks, for example, and it's all Polish girls in there, they don't understand why you would complain about waiting. So they don't feel the need to apologise if you've had to wait for something. Like yesterday, I go in and I buy two saucepans. I can't find lids, not two, two frying pans. I can't find lids for them. Anyway, I thought I'll ignore that. It doesn't make any difference. So I give them to the woman. Well, she can't log it up on the till. I'm standing there for five minutes. She doesn't once say sorry about this. She says nothing at all. She just, at the end, goes, seventeen ninety nine, And that was it. Not, sorry, it just won't scan or something like that. And I remember thinking, odd. So I'm sort of coming back on the bus, and there's a woman who, who gets on, and she sits opposite me to the right-hand side. And uh, as usual, you know, people start a conversation, not with me, but with the person who they're sitting next to. And she says, oh, I can't understand it. She said, the traffic in Twickenham is dreadful today. She said, what's going on? And so the woman sitting next to her looks at her like, are you really dumb? And she goes, it's rugby. Is it? Says the woman. You know, she can't have missed all the flags up everywhere for the rugby. And she goes, I wonder what it is. I felt like saying to her, are you, are you out of a home or something? It's rugby, dear. Surely you know this. For the, next, for the next few weeks, it's rugby. Football, Scotland. When I was in town on Friday, I've never seen so many men in kilts. Seriously. Ali's tartan army was on the move on Friday was a trouble in Trafalgar Square. There would be. It was that they were boozed up when I saw them. And I came out of uh, Joe Allen's at about four o'clock, I think. And uh, they were well boozed up by that time. And uh, a couple of pubs down the Euston Road. The Trafalgar Square was full of people in kilts, full of them. I mean, seriously, it is. It was Ali's Tartan Army. And uh, people crossing the road, young people, old people, all sorts of people. And then the pub halfway down... I think opposite Madame Two Swords nearly on the left-hand side, I think is a Chelsea pub. 
And that's full of the biggest bunch of oiks standing outside. You ever see, oik, oik, like that. I remember at one time I pulled my, my car, I sat, because the traffic lights are right there. Well, you can imagine in my car, can't you? Oik, all this kind of stuff. It was a little bit embarrassing. A bit like the woman on the bus this morning. Off her face on drink. Literally, Larry, shouty, was literally clutching a bottle of wine, which then fell to the floor. And uh, and she was just off her face, and girls were laughing at her. And I thought, very sad, isn't it? But, of course, you're roughly in the same kind of state that, uh, that she's in. Uh, 84850-stevedlbc.co.uk. Uh, Leslie says, oh, I love this one. This is, this is hilarious. You are so funny, but you crossed the line yesterday saying foxes are dangerous. That, that's crossing a line, apparently. Why don't you get a life? Get a life. It says, um, it says that uh, the, uh, the foxes would rip the badger to pieces uh, on, the, on the advert. Utter rubbish. These people are so lonely. The one that walked past you didn't attack you, did you? No, it had mange. Mange. Should have listened properly. Poor old Leslie, honestly. Gender undefined. <laughs> sums it up, really, doesn't it? Yeah, but thank you for tuning in. Bless you. I'm glad I'm a, I'm a replacement for the NHS. <laughs> I'm, so if I'm saving the NHS money, I'm all in favour of it. You know me. I'm a caring, sharing person. Uh, the Sun on Sunday. What have we got? Michelle Keegan. Apparently, she's going to be eight months away from her husband. Well, you know, she doesn't have to be. She doesn't have to be. You know, she can take another job nearer to home. But this is one in South Africa. Apparently, she's told pals, this is Michelle Keegan, very average actress, that she wants a luxury Cape Town apartment as she plans to spend most of 2017 in the city. She jets off in March. Where are we? November. December, January, February. Four months away and the dreary old baggage is droning on about. She wants a luxury apartment. Darling, everything's luxury in Cape Town. Everything's luxury. You'll love it. It's so cheap over there. And uh, she's not expected back in Britain until November. Thank God. Thank God. I'll drive you to the airport. Of course, the problem is she's in a luxury apartment. He's over here twiddling his thumbs with his friend. And what's he going to do? What well, Mark going to do? Where are going to go? I don't know where he's going to go. What's going to? I suppose actually, as he doesn't have too much work in the in the books, he could sort of go over there, can't he? And he could go and visit her. Whether he will or not remains to be seen. Um, also, the other story, I was only telling you the other week that Jesse Nelson, she's the hefty hideaway girl in Little Minx, Mix, um, is, uh, is single and on the market again. Which is very odd, because we remember reading in the papers that her relationship with Jake, Colleen uh, Nolan's eldest boy, is off. Um, and so that's all finished. And yet, in an interview in one of the Colour Sup magazines today, which is called Fabulous, it's got a picture of them on the front, airbrushed to hell, and um, and it's got a picture of them trying to look sexy, but when you've got four really unattractive people, it, just, it, it doesn't cancel one or the other out. Anyway, and so she's talking here about, we've just bought a place together. So either this is, I believe all these magazine covers are done ages and ages in advance, and so anything that changes doesn't quite make it into the change, which is a bit of a shame. Wayne over in the jungle. This is uh, ex-England footy bore Wayne Bridge. Did a skydive and he's announced that he's not going to be talking about the John Terry incident. Of course he's not. Of course he's not. We never thought he would. They're not allowed to talk about anything like that. You start talking like that. That's why Big Brother was such a bore. Every time they started talking about anything with a name in it, they put on... 
little bird songs over the top of it. You think it's a load of old. You just have a, a producer sitting there, just pushing the button for the sheer hell of it. Probably from the one show. They're a bit dim, aren't they? And uh, oh, put a poppy on Cookie Monster. What? Are you mad? It's a puppet. It's somebody controlling it with sticks. God in heaven. Ridiculous. Oh, it'll be really funny. Yeah, it really will be funny. If I was the DG, I'd tell you, I'd be going down again. Who made that decision to put a poppy on the cookie monster? If nobody put their hand up, just get rid of the entire team. Get rid of them. Get out. Get out. You're too embarrassing. Name and shame. Stick their pictures in the paper. It's funny who they are. <laughs> the, uh, the police are now examining the mobile phone from the driver of the train that crashed. And uh, they reckon, this is what they're saying now, but don't say you can say anything, that he was texting as the train crashed. I don't know how you text with one hand. I can't text with one hand. Can I? No, I can't. It's got to be... I've got to... I've got, yeah, you've, you've got to have two hands to text. And once you take your hand off the, uh, off the handle, I'm assuming the train comes to a, to a halt. Isn't that... I'm assuming that's how it works. If it isn't, they're... Um, they, they really need to, to sort out something. It's really absolutely terrible. Lovely picture of Ed Balls doing a bit of dancing. Another hilarious thing. It's just an embarrassment. Let's put the idiot on. Let's put the overweight idiot on the television and we'll all laugh at him. Of course, they're now worried. Oh, somebody might kick him out. It's like apparently in Big Brother. Um, I'm Big Brother. Get me out of here. I'm a celebrity on ice. Uh, climb every mountain. Why don't you? And, uh, and they've said if Ola Jordan goes, that'll be a disaster because they think she's the saving grace of the show. She's the most boring person ever. You wait till you hear her speak. Oh, I tell you, first of all, when you see her without makeup on, you're, she's unrecognisable. It's only when she trowels on the war paint that, uh, that she becomes sort of recognisable. And uh, a lot of people talking about the, uh, the advert for John Lewis with the dog bouncing up and down. Ten years ago, that was done in America. The dog bouncing up and down on the trampoline. So somebody's pinched it from somewhere. But I suppose, you know, one dog... Bouncing around on a trampoline is very much one dog bouncing around on a trampoline. Uh, Beauty says hit show left her with nothing to give. This is uh, Daisy Low. I think basically in the business they go Daisy Who. And so it's okay. She says, I'm never normally exhausted every day. Strictly is the most intense thing I've ever done. But have you ever seen it before, dear? I mean, I begin to wonder whether or not people are so dumb that they haven't seen a programme and they go into it and go, this is just so tiring. So exhausting. That's what it is. I mean, I'm assuming you're doing it for money, so why don't you just shut up and get on with it? Don't, don't, don't worry about it. Nobody worries about you. Uh, there's also a British jihadi in the paper today who was shot in one ear and blown up making bombs before a drone strike killed him. <laughs> Seriously. This is uh, terrorist Abu Rahim Aziz. He died in 2015 in an attack by US forces. But the terror group's hate rag, which is called Rumiya, has published a bizarre obituary detailing how the idiot extremist was injured twice before he was annihilated. The article tells how he lost the hearing in one ear after he was shot in it during a battle. It then tells how the bearded buffoon became a bomb maker that fell victim to a work-related explosion on his first day. This is kind of like having a bad day. Good. Good. He didn't have... You see, if he'd had health and safety training, he'd have been all right. Anyway, his face, neck, chest and hands were seriously burnt, despite him still being in the recovery process from his previous wound. I mean, you have to laugh, don't you? I mean, this man is the biggest idiot going. He was in a burns unit for two months uh, after all his fingernails melted off, but he had a yearning to return to the battlefield. So a year later, he recovered enough to return to fight his Crusader coalition. He planned a suicide mission, but uh, unfortunately he died in, uh, in Raga. At, uh, he originally came from Luton. 
He was apparently an acolyte of the radical preacher Anjam Chowdhury. He'd skipped bail to join ISIS. Straight to hell, mate, now. Straight to hell. What a buffoon. What a buffoon. You can only but laugh at his poor misfortunes. Uh, talking of poor misfortunes, Harry getting over the shock of the girlfriend there for two days. Whoa. How many times can we do it? I don't know. Was it in two days? She's only there for two days. He whisked her back to the palace. I bet she was barely inside the door before the clothes were off. Seriously, I'm not being rude. I'm just saying, what do you think she... Ca- she you think she flew over for sort of, you know, putting in the missing piece in a jigsaw puzzle? Of course not. Harry's been a single boy for quite a little while. I should imagine he was panting at the lead. Come on, come here, come on, come on, come in. Quick, quick, quick. Shut the door. Nobody sit. Nobody knows you're here. What do you mean you went out shopping? Oh, with a photographer. Oh, that's OK, then. That's OK. You went out shopping. Anyway, two days, then Harry goes off to the rugby. Obviously, everybody was sort of going to Harry and they say, Oi, oi, Harry. Good on you, mate. Good on you. You managed to pull a Canadian bird. And so the, uh, the, uh, the princess from Monaco is sort of looking, sort of, oh, God, rugby. I've never seen her before. Nobody's ever mentioned her. But she was with him at the rugby. Isn't that lovely? Coming up to the news at six o'clock this morning. It's Sunday. It's Remembrance Sunday. There are road closures in London from uh, the early hours. Some are in already. So if you're coming in, I'd come in by public transport. It's not worth it. You'll never find anywhere to park. And uh, there will be maximum security. Leaving Corrie after 55 years. Emily is out of the street. Prince Harry plays the buffoon by taking the girl to the rugby, but it's not that one. The tears check for diabetes. Uh, soon you won't have to prick your finger to get the blood sample out. You can do your tears, which actually makes perfect sense. David Beckham making a lot of money in one year from selling the rights to his image. Gaza's new pain. And how much to go and see Justin Bieber? £40,000? That's apparently the latest price, but what do you get? Tell you in a minute. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. It's coming up to four minutes past six. It's the 13th of November. It's Remembrance Sunday. Uh, The Royal Family will be out together with the veterans and uh, hundreds and thousands of other people who will be celebrating the war dead down at Whitehall. So if you've uh, not been to London before, that's the area that comes down from Trafalgar Square past the Whitehall Theatre, and uh, there'll be bands and everything else. There'll be a march past, and the royal family will lay their wreaths together with all the political leaders will be there as well. It's, it's quite a turnout, quite a turnout, and we'll be observing two-minute silence on LBC this morning at 11 o'clock, and we hope that you'll join us for that. Other stories this morning. Wayne Bridge says he will not talk about his row with John Terry, a nation mourns. I, be- I believe, actually, the reason would be for, for legal reasons. That's what they would do. They, they always say, oh, John Terry's, uh, you know, would be talked about by Wayne Bridge. No, he won't. Wayne, Wayne Bridge is far too much of a wuss to be doing anything like that. He's not going to jeopardise anything, lest he comes out and bumps into some of the John Terry family. So he's obviously not going to be doing that. Uh, you'll hate the story if you're an animal lover of the donkeys who were slaughtered. Four million. I didn't know he had that many donkeys. Four million of these animals slaughtered every year for their skins to make a Chinese miracle serum. But as you know, the Chinese cut everything up now. Literally, they have animal markets, the like of which you've never seen at all. Uh, Ola Jordan says she's embarrassed by her body. We're just embarrassed by Ola Jordan, really. Uh, But she's taken six bikinis to the jungle. It's a shame, really. As I say, she'll have nothing to contribute. Just standing in the shower is going to be a little bit dreary. But then, strangely enough, Olympic hockey hero Sam Quick says she's going into the jungle for, well, apart from the fee, to fight body confidence issues over breast implants. What? 
I mean, seriously, what is going on in this jungle? I thought they're supposed to be going out there, so we watch them all cringe, and hopefully somebody will sort of keel over and be violently ill after eating a witchetty grub. You know, we're not actually going there for somebody going, I'll eat a witchetty grub. Oh, yum, 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 they're very exciting. We want to watch them being sick. They go, oh, you sick? You go, Ray, good, because we never liked you anyway. That's why we did that girl from Coronation Street. Do you remember she kept voting? Uh, we, we, we voted her in for every Bush Tucker trial. And the reason we did that is because nobody liked her. And so they go, and the public have voted for, it was Helen, Helen Flanagan. Helen Flanagan, I think. And so every time the public, I would sit there, it was some, it was some dreadful thing to appreciate, wasn't it? That there, there she was sitting there and they go, and the public have noted uh, Helen Flanagan. We've decided to nominate Helen Flanagan for the Bush Tucker trial. And so she'd be the one. I mean, she just went through Bush Tucker trial after Bush Tucker trial, which we thought was amazing, hilarious. So as Ola Jordan says she doesn't like anything like that, can I suggest that we all vote for Ola Jordan to actually undergo every Bush Tucker trial? So snakes, creepy crawlies, uh, anything like that, anything that involves submerging her. Under the water. That would be uh, that would be good for us. So let's, uh, let's enjoy that one, shall we? Christmas starts tomorrow, says Amazon. I don't quite understand that because I thought Christmas is... Beca- I've started stockpiling presents already. It seems ridiculous. Doesn't that sound ludicrous in November? I'm so sorry if it makes me sound a little bit shallow, but uh, I do like stockpiling presents. And sometimes I see things and I think, oh, that would be a nice present for somebody. You know, I was going to buy the, the producer. He was going to get one of these. What was it? Is it a dash cam or something? Oh, no, it was a cycle cam. There. There's so many different types. It's impossible to find something that would suit. And also, some of them about £80, whereas I'm looking about 650 Oh, is he going to get you? Oh, good. We'll let him get you that then. I'll buy you something else. So much easier. They're so complicated, these things. They're so complicated. Uh, the Victoria Cross, which has been discovered in the Thames mud. That's, that's got to be found by somebody with um, a metal detector, hasn't it? I would have thought so. And uh, Michelle Keegan, away from her husband for ages and ages. Also, the family of the fantasist VIP pedo accuser Nick have revealed how he's ruined their lives. This is the man who just made up stories. Made up stories. And the police followed it up. Oh, yes, Edward Heath was having sex with... Oh, yes. And he went to a party where he saw a child being murdered. This man's ill. This man is sick. Absolutely sick. Needs to get some help as quickly as possible. How much uh, does it cost to stay in jail for a year? Apparently about the same as a posh hotel. About £77,000. If you want to stay in a posh hotel, seventy-seven grand for a year. It's about right, though, they tell me. Right. Better to commit a crime and get yourself thrown in prison, isn't it, really? Uh, Taylor Swift, got a new boyfriend? No, not really. And um, what have I got here? Anything interesting? I'm trying to find something that was remotely interesting. Mel B is mentioned in one of the uh, the poppy columns today. Seems to be playing uh, Spice Girls Spat Bingo. And she nearly has a full house. The gobbiest of an admittedly already gobby gang is in Australia filming its X Factor and was moaning to pals about Jerry Horner's pregnancy announcement. Mel was initially miffed to be in the dark about Jerry's big reveal and fretted it might derail her planned comeback in Spice Trio Gem alongside Jerry and Emma Bunton. Sports said, of course, Mel is thrilled personally for Jerry, but she's very fiery and at the moment she's found out her temper flared and she said a few choice words. Oh, who cares about Mel B.? Nobody cares about your love. It's very sweet of you to make a contribution, but we always knew you were the slightly peculiar one in the Spice Girls. I'll tell you what you want, what you really, really want. You want another girl, don't you? Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And they need another one to make up the numbers in the Spice Girls, because they've only got three. They're, they're down two. They're down Melanie C, 
and they're down Victoria Beckham. I don't think it's going to work. Even they're calling it Spice Girls Gem. I don't. I mean, but the other thing is, I was I was thinking of this only a second ago, two seconds ago. Oh, it could have been three. And then I was, I was sort of thinking to myself, who owns the rights to the songs? If the other Spice Girls don't want them to sing them, they might not be able to sing any Spice Girls material. You know, there might be that, because I thought they were all credited, if memory serves, as the writers on those songs. They, that was some weird deal that they did. And they all, they all get credited. So the writing has got all of them on it, every single song. All of them and the producers. I've never seen so many people who wrote songs. A bit like Robbie Williams, isn't it? Because he's really an excellent songwriter. And Down the Waterfall. Lovely, thank you. Makes it loud and say, and Under the U-Bend. It sounds roughly the same kind of thing, doesn't it? And Down the Plug Hole. Uh, I see Prince Edward, says Andy, is out and about again. Resplendent in military uniform and a chest full of medals. Must have been a hell of a fortnight in the Royal Marines. Yes, poor Andrew couldn't... Uh, sorry, Edward uh, couldn't really cope with the Royal Marines. It was way too butch for him. And uh, also had to get up early in the morning and run around in your pants, and he didn't didn't fancy that idea. And so he, um, but he 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 does wear a uniform. There was that thing. I bet you anything. By the time we get to tomorrow, there'll be a picture of uh, Prince Edward out there wearing the uniform of a, somebody who laughingly was called a soldier, all but briefly. He was happy as sort of painting scenery, of course, and uh, and being a lovey. But uh, all of a sudden, he ends up with a chest full of medals. And people get, what the hell do you get those for? Most of them are sort of medals handed out by the Queen, which is a bit like dolly mixtures. You know, she gives them to Prince Andrew, Prince Edward's got them. I think Prince Charles, they've been made knight commanders or something like that. It's all a bit bizarre. It's all a bit steeped in history. She likes it. As far as I'm concerned, if it keeps the Queen happy, I'm more than happy to do it. But let's not be silly that Prince Edward ever saw active service. Well, certainly not on a battlefield, anyway. It's uh, 11 minutes past six. Yeah, there, there he is. Look, what in God's name is he wearing? I mean, it's just a joke. Seriously, he's got, the, he's, he's got four medals. These uh, other ones, this is Knight Commander, this sort of thing here. It's, it's, a, it's a bejeweled kind of thing. He probably likes it because it's shiny, shiny, nice and shiny. And, uh, and then he's got this sort of uniform on. I don't know, it looks like he could have been a bugler. You know, and then running in the opposite direction because he didn't make it in the Marines at all, did he? He sort of came out, which angered Prince Philip quite a lot. And so he sort of wears these... Me- I mean, nobody questions anything nowadays, except the newspapers. The newspapers always question things. They want to know the mystery of the medals. I mean, five of the medals are commemorative. The Queen's Silver, Golden and Diamond Jubilee, the New Zealand Commemorative Medal and the Centennial of Saskatchewan. He also has a Canadian Forces decoration, his Royal Victorian Order Star and Order of the Garter given by the Queen. In other words, it's a blooming bunch of poop. I'm sorry to say that. You know, it's just ridiculous. These aren't medals for anything. The, the Centennial of Saskatchewan. What's he wearing that for? He's really quite peculiar, isn't he? Although, strange enough, out of all of the members of the royal family, he was the last one that people thought A, would get married and B, the marriage would last. I mean, whether or not they are together, we don't know. I was led to believe that she spends a lot of time at home and he's travelling and doing all sorts of little bits and pieces. But what he actually does for a living, I've got no idea. I can't, in fact, I'm not too sure what any of them do for a living. Charles talks to plants and walls and trees and things like that. Prince Edward went to your school, did he? Oh, we just turned up. Oh, right. what, to sort of meet people? Oh, right. I always thought we were sort of sort of badly cheated by him. He was, you know, people at the time wanted Prince Andrew. Then we realised what a, what a sort of a, a dimbo Prince Andrew was. We didn't want him either. And uh, all I got, I was, I told you, I was in my car next to Diana in her car. And uh, I remember thinking then, if only I'd had a camera and gone, click, taken a picture. Or waved at her and gone, hi, 
you know, like, like you do, like you do. And uh, have I met the Queen? No, but uh, I've sat behind the Queen Mother. So that's about it. I'd love to meet Prince Philip. I think he'd be really, really good. Very exciting. You know what I haven't done? I haven't got a poppy for my car. I haven't found anybody around my way that was selling the big poppies for the front of cars, which is uh, a bit embarrassing for me. Because I did say that I was going to get one for the car, but I didn't. But I did give £10 for two metal poppies. So I thought that was, uh, that was good. doesn't matter what you give. doesn't matter. doesn't matter how much. If you can afford to give more, give more. If you can't afford to do that, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. But I'll, we'll be looking at Prince Edward and, of course, old Prince Andrew. Because apparently he saw frontline action at the Falklands War flying his little helicopter. In and out, in and out. And that was about it. And, uh, and what did Charles do? Isn't he a commander of a... Of a destroyer or something. I remember thinking, how does that happen? I think what they do, they have to find something for them to do. So they, so we'll, we'll sort of decorate, you know, William up in something. Uh, the prince was promoted to admiral in the Royal Navy in 2006. Admiral of the Royal Navy. He's also a general in the army and an air chief marshal in the Royal Air Force. Please. I mean, honestly, it's like, you know, I'm in charge of jelly babies in this building. Okay. Steve Allen, head of Jelly Babies. Why has he got to be in charge of all of them? He's also got honorary rank and appointments in many branches and regiments of the armed services. Unbelievable, isn't it, really? But so he's an admiral in the Royal Navy. Um, left hand down a bit. Uh, forward, everybody? Forward? Forward? I mean, I don't understand how he can be. So he's, uh, he's got the dedicated support of the Queen in his role as Commander-in-Chief. He's Admiral of the Fleet, Field Marshal and Marshal of the Royal Air Force. He already has gained his private pilot's licence and flew himself to Cranwell in a twin-engined basset of the Queen's flight to start advanced training to qualify as a jet pilot. And he got his wings in 1971. Oh, so in theory, he can sort of, he can sort of fly. I don't think we've ever seen him flying, actually, have we? I don't think so. But uh, he, he did fly in a troop-carrying... RAF Britannia to join the destroyer HMS Norfolk at Gibraltar whilst training for his bridge watch keeping certificate. You just sit there and watch bridges for a week and they give you a certificate. Uh, he attended a one-day course in escaping from a submarine. That'll be useful. Wait a minute. The submarine's gone down. Uh, what, do I, I, what do I do now? Um, uh, help? 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 No, nope, not going to work, is it? No work at all on that one. But, uh, he's very busy. I just thought he grew vegetables and talked to things, which is obviously does a little bit more than that. I know that they've got, they must have uniforms in all their cupboards and whoever dresses them, because they do have people who dress them, by the way, uh, would have to know which uniform for which occasion. And as far as I know, they've never made a mistake, which goes how highly the, uh, the staff are that work for the royal family. They've got to know everything. They've got to, um, they have to kind of work that, that through, don't they? And it must be difficult for today because the Queen's going to... You know she's going to be wearing black. You know it's going to be with a black hat. And you know that she'll have her, her own special poppy. And they will always have a bit on the television where at the poppy factory they show you somebody making the Queen's poppy or the Queen's wreath or something like that. They do it. It's, it's the same thing every year. Martine says, I've discovered the trams in Croydon are not fitted with a dead man's handle. Really? Well, there must be. I mean, otherwise, that other the questions over safety of these trams. But surely, I mean, these things would have been thought about before. You've got to have everybody's safety. You've got, you know, am I wrong on that one? I mean, if I was travelling on a tram, I want to make sure that, you know, if my driver died at the wheel or fell over or collapsed or something, that the train would come to a stop. Otherwise, how are you going to open the door and stop the blooming thing? If you can't stop, I mean, the thing is destined to crash, isn't it? 
Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, another one here. It says, can you play the Moyle sketch again? No, you have to find it online now. Uh, Martine reckons that Prince Edward just looks ridiculous. Keep Helen, Helen Flanagan off TV. She says, just say witchetty grubs are on the studio canteen menu. It was so funny because every day she got nominated. <laughs> I don't know why that would strike me as funny, really. But I just, I just thought it was, it was kind of funny. I was going to bring you the weather today. And to be honest with you, I can't really be bothered. It's going to be dry. I think that's all we need to know. Uh, car poppies can be purchased all year round from poppyshop.org.uk. Thank you. I didn't know that. There you go. See, I learn something new every single day. Uh, also, Toblerones. Fan of to- Have I missed an out time here? I have, haven't I? Toblerones are, um, have shrunk. They're shrinking because the cost of the ingredients means that they actually have shrunk them and they put the price up. So, And yet the boss of Toblerone, who's a woman, has increased her salary by millions over the years. Oh, there's a car poppy. 50 in stock, £5.49. Isn't it funny? It's actually got a price. You think Because when you go and get one out on the street, you give what, what you think. How much are they doing the metal poppies for? Metal poppies down a little bit, down a little bit. Uh, £3.99. Oh, well, I gave a fiver for one. There's a poppy umbrella as well. Oh, God, I didn't realise there were so many things with poppies on. Nice. You can get a... A jute and juco mix bag, or a single poppy jute and juco mix bag for about three and a half quid. It's nice, isn't it? You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. If you're a diabetic, and uh, we were just watching Steve Dixon up on the television, it looks like he's recently had his teeth whitened, which is so funny because because he doesn't smile that often. Because if you're a newsreader, you can't, you know, you can't just be sitting there going, ha, 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 you can't do it. You can do it on this programme, but you can't do it on his. And, uh, and then this morning he smiled. We were nearly dazzled. It's the Rylan look. It's like, you know, Rylan's got more teeth in his mouth than Muffin the Mule. And uh, probably just about as exciting. And Steve Dixon's got as many teeth in his mouth. But he's, he's a diabetic. He's type 1, which means that he has to check his uh, blood sugars. Now they're saying that diabetics can check their health with their own tears. Because you generally get problems with your eyes. And I notice this, and so do other people as well. Because sometimes your eyes water, and it can be going from one temperature to another. It's an absolute pain, and so sometimes your eyes go a little bit misty. But... Uh, it's Theresa May type one too. It's so annoying. It really is. And so even though I wear glasses just for reading, sometimes you have to sort of peer over the top of your glasses, round the side of your glasses, anything to try and get a clear picture of what's going on. And so now they say you can check your health with your own tears. It's a new device which takes fluid from the eye to measure blood sugar levels. Sufferers currently test with a little machine, which has got a little tiny needle in it. You um, fire it up by pushing a button on it and it's a spring-loaded thing and it pushes this little needle into your thumb or finger or whatever it is and then you push and you get a little globule of blood which you put onto the slide and then it measures your blood sugars but this one here is uh, saying you don't need alcohol wipes there's no fingerprint pain nothing the tears touch glucose sensor now faces clinical trials the tears touch glucose sensor wow very interesting. Apparently around 4 million Britons have diabetes. Many have to check blood sugar so they take insulin or other drugs at the right time. That would be Steve Dixon. He'd have to take blood sugars, uh, you know, and check on a, on a regular basis. He would know uh, if he was going to be ill because you just know these things. You just know these things. So that's like a nice one. But I mean, not, not obviously for a little while yet. Not for a little while yet. Uh, 84850. James reckons Prince Charles is really Mr Ben. Popping in and out of the wardrobe. What would he be today? An astronaut. Perhaps commander of the Starfleet Command. To infinity and beyond. 
Yeah, this could be any of those things, couldn't he, really? He can be whatever he wants to be, I suppose. There's no sort of law. They just sort of, they just sort of make him do something, and then they go, oh, you're commander now. And they go, oh, wow, that's amazing, really, isn't it? Um, what else we got here? Giggs to net £26,000. This is Ryan Giggs, and he's going to host twenty six grand. Uh, he's going to rake in twenty six grand by doing a single evening in his own restaurant. 80 fans are expected to pay £340 each to see the ex-Man United... Uh, and Wales star interviewed over a three-course dinner. That's all right, isn't it? If you, if you, you know, three hundred—it's a lot of money, actually, a lot of money. Uh, I'm doing the same thing, but we're not offering dinner, as you know. It'll just be me, you, and thee. And I think some people, some people, would be having uh, drinks at the Hippodrome on the twelfth. Oi, Buster! Says one of the papers. That's our bouncing boxer, John Lewis, accused of copying the video of the U.S. dog, and. Um, it's very interesting. Last night, a spokesman for the company, which made this one over here, says, what a great video of Chago on the trampoline. Although it wasn't the inspiration of our Christmas ad, we're sure he and Buster would have been good friends. Our story was dreamt up by our creative team, who presumably had seen the bouncing boxer dog. I mean, come on. Don't treat us like we're complete idiots, honestly. It's very difficult, isn't it, to try and prove that. Rachel Johnson talking about uh, uh, Prince Harry uh, after his blast at the media. An impassioned open letter. Uh, don't be such a hothead over Meghan. Well, he is, isn't he? Because he started doing a... Who did it? Well, Prince Andrew's done it before, where they start throwing the toys out with the bathwater, where they start sort of getting all uppity, you know, I'm, I'm Prince Harry, who, you know, having sort of pandered to his every little whim and every little need, you know, now all of a sudden, because they, they pick on his girlfriend. Admittedly, though, some of the things that I heard about his girlfriend, they broke into her house and stuff like that, is totally unforgivable. Unforgivable. That's really shoddy journalism. Uh, but really, he just needs to behave a little bit better. He's not the uh, not the most even-tempered person. He's just there. He's just there. And so you must read this this thing here. She says, uh, you have to rise above all these sort of things, you know, and if you can't do that, you're in the wrong job. But, I mean, who's he going to take it from? He, he doesn't learn it from his father. He can't have learned it from Prince William. You know, they've just had nothing, have they? Nothing at all that's ever said to them, uh, you need to... Um, you need to do this. You know, he's going, I'm Prince Harry. I can do whatever I want to do. No, you can't. No, you can't. And the papers proved that. They did prove it. Uh, they're not calling you a Ku Klux Klan loving loser now, my friend. Piers Morgan's utterly unabashed, totally unabridged election diary. A star-studded, surreal, scintillating week of politics. It really was a week of politics, wasn't it? But uh, the donkey got the crown in the end. Uh, Jungle Star, my fight back against breast implants. This is because she's only got little bosoms. This is uh, Sam Quek, uh, who's in Armour Celebrity, get me out of here. About the most unusual reason I've ever heard for anybody going into the jungle. There's me thinking you just go in there for a, for a shed load of money. And uh, uh, Steve uh, from David in Nottinghamshire, he said, forget the X Factor. Friday I watched the good old days. Female singers that can sing, not a tattoo in sight, even a blindfolded knife thrower. Now that's entertainment. Yes, I mean, the old uh, the old dross you get on the television is really pathetically dreadful, isn't it? And uh, Prince Charles Steve, not as deluded as Nick Clegg, who believes he still is relevant. Thank you. Uh, the Croydon Trams are owned by a company, which is owned by First, also owned MRT in America, and that company has a few serious accidents. Time to investigate. And in the playground this week at my daughter's school... They were selling poppy snap wristbands alongside normal poppies. I was not surprised. Children were buying them. I hope the message is not getting lost with them. I asked some kids, do you know how important poppies are? Nope. They didn't know. Well, they're little children. They wouldn't understand that. You're trying to explain, you know, to little children about people going into battle. Their idea of battle is sort of 
jumping around the playground going... They don't understand what it is. They've got no idea. You can't explain war to little children, you know, five and six. You can't explain death to them. How do you explain that, you know, your your granddaddy went off to war and he didn't come back again? Oh, right. They don't know. They really don't know. They've got no idea. Uh, interesting uh, about Christmas starting now. This is part of Black Friday. They've got uh, special offers on. Uh, a vacuum. Normally £182, £52. Headphones. 70 quid. £24. What's a tracker? 119 quid, now down to £16. Oh, it's a fitness tracker. So that was uh, slashing 87%. Tony and Guy hair straighteners, 24.99 as opposed to 90 And a Vax vacuum cleaner advertised for £52 instead of 170 That seems good value, doesn't it? 52 quid. That's very good value. I like the idea of that one. I might go for that one later on. So I gave my last one away. I bought it and then I get brand new. Gave it away to my brother's uh, daughter because she needed a vacuum cleaner. And I bought the vax. But at 52 quid, it's about 279. That's very good value, isn't it? They must be selling that at a loss. Uh, earlier on, uh, Matt was talking about the, uh, the Lost Stars Club band. He didn't mention Sylvia Anderson. Uh, who Did he mention Sylvia Anderson? No, I didn't think so. Um, and, and did he mention uh, Kenny Baker? He mentioned Kenny Baker. Did he mention... Tony Dyson, who was the man who built R2-D2. He died as well, age 68. Uh, George Kennedy. George Kennedy? No. From Naked Gun and Airplanes. He died age 91. Morris White from Earth, Wind and Fire. David Guest, of course, was 62. He died. Big surprise to everybody, that one. We still can't work out, did he die with money or did he die flat broke? Some people say he had 10 million. Where that came from, Lord alone knows. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Actually, there were, weren't there, so many people that we lost. Did he mention Bert Kwok? Bert Kwok from Bridge on the River Kwai. Glenn Fry from the Eagles. Yeah, we lost him as well. Uh, Denise Robertson, the Agony Aunt. We lost her at the uh, beginning of the year. Keith Emerson from the night. See, there's a, there's a whole stack of people. Uh, Ed Stewart... The DJ, we lost him as well, age 74. Jimmy Young, of course. Uh, Gary Shandling, we lost Gary Shandling. I mean, it's, it's been a hell of a year. George Martin, Prince Buster, the Jamaican singer. I mean, it's amazing when you... Arnold Palmer, the golfer. All these people went this year. The Welsh actor, Gareth Thomas from Blake Seven, he died as well. Uh, Jimmy Young, we lost. I mean, I know he mentioned... Did he mention Howard Marks? Former drug smuggler. Thought that'd be a very big one on his list, actually. Uh, Cliff Mitchellmore, as well. No. Lord. Jean Alexander. There's so many that we lost. I mean, this has been an amazing year for losing people. I mean, I mean, seriously, a load of people. I mean, he mentioned. Uh, did he mention Frank Kelly? Yeah, he mentioned Frank. Oh, right, good. And um, uh, who else do we have on here? Oh, um, Lemmy from Motorhead. We. No, Lemmy died... Well, he died on December the 28th. He actually died December the 28th. Nobody found out about it till afterwards, though. So we sort of moved him. And uh, Pete Burns, Ronnie Corbett... And he came in here a, a little while ago. We knew he'd not been uh, too well. But uh, And Joe Cox, Labour MP for, for Burnley and Spen, died aged 41. Sorry? Batley and Spen, is it? Bat sorry, Batley and Spen. And um, and the other people, it's quite it's it's quite a list of people that we've lost. I mean, it really is quite a quite a list of people. Twenty four minutes to uh, to seven. I always think that whenever we we uh, we 
we talk about losing people and it, it happens to fall on Remembrance Sunday. There's kind of a lot of people you're thinking of. It does, you don't know all the soldiers who died, but they had families, they had brothers, they had sisters, they had mummies, they had daddies, they had family. They remember them. They, it doesn't matter how long ago it was, they remember that they were their family. So when you go to the Royal Albert Hall or you watch the Remembrance Day service, you know, that means something to those people, probably more, you know, than it does to you because I only lost a few members of my family, but because it was long before I came along, I didn't know them. So to me, they're just, they're just a name. I have to check with my brother half the time, you know, where did, where did Wally die? How, how did this happen and all the rest of it? So you don't know. Interestingly enough that uh, having told you that dreadful story about the Chinese uh, slaughtering... Four million animals a year uh, just to um, just for their skins. They're not interested in the meat. They're just interested in the skins. And then and they've got a picture of donkeys uh, who are bred for this factory in Dongyi, China, awaiting the abattoir. And yet further down the line in the newspaper, the same newspaper, the mail has got wherever donkeys are in need. The donkey sanctuary is there for them, speaking up for donkeys and mules throughout the world. Should it not have been on the same page, or would that look a little bit too obvious? A little bit too. Beaten women, raped women, robbed women. A chilling expose by Gita Sagal of how British women are being sentenced to lives of misery by Muslim courts that bring shame on Sharia law, or Sharia law, depending on which way you interpret it. I mean, it's, it's, it's courts aided by the British state. Totally illegal, as far as I know. People who are sort of dishing out their own uh, thing. Is it OK for a woman to be... Apparently so. Under Sharia law, it's. I mean, it's, you've never seen anything like it. It's just. It's almost. Perhaps we just have our own little, um, our own little courts going on. Mind you, the RSPCA have been told by MPs stop all court cases. This is um, uh, because the RSPCA routinely prosecute animal owners for cruelty. Not all of them are successful. In 2013, I know it's going back a few years. The RSPCA sees Claude, a cat who was 16 years old, for being too thin and having matted fur. Within 24 hours, he'd been put down. Against the wishes of his owner, Richard and Samantha Burns, whose children were denied the chance to say goodbye. Charges against the couple were eventually overruled by the CPS and the charity publicly apologised. Bit blowing late, isn't it? And they want to make sure uh, the sale of a puppy is illegal until the, unless the animal is seen with its mother by the buyer. The aim is to clamp down on illegal smuggling of puppies, mainly from Eastern Europe. Oh, we've had them from all over the place. I had a run in myself with one of these vile people. Who, uh, who was a puppy smuggler, explo- exposed on the television. A vile piece of work. Vile. These people are sick. They're not interested in animals. They have no interest in animals, barring their monetary value. That's all they care about. It is dreadful. There was another thing I read in the paper this week. Have you ever heard of these hoods that they use on prisoners to stop them spitting and everything else? Apparently something like 17 police forces in the country uh, are currently using these hoods. I'd never heard of them before. I have seen people being arrested on these... Police action programs, and they, uh, and that uh, you see people spitting at police officers, which is just absolutely disgusting. But there are these hoods which they put on them to stop them spitting at people, and I'd never heard of it. Somebody says they're cruel and degrading, but the police federation said they should be available as standard. Since 2011, they've used them about two and a half thousand times, uh, mainly people with suspected mental health issues. It's a it's a, a mesh fabric spit hood. Used by, about, I said about 17 police forces were using these things. And it stops people spitting. Apparently, police reported the use of a spit hood on a 12-year-old girl. 91 times on under 16-year-olds. It's ridiculous, isn't it, really? I mean, absolutely appalling that people would spit. 
at police officers, but they do. And so I would have thought that would have been a good thing. They don't like it. I've seen people screaming and shouting and all the, all the rest of it. Did Nick Ferrari try one? Oh, right. I mean, to be honest with you, they do sound a bit, a bit barbaric. But if I was a police officer, I wouldn't want to be spat at by some little tow rag. Thank you very much indeed. Not right. And um, Rob says it seems every year the Christmas ads on TV become more and more PC. Don't they just... Everything becomes more and more PC. Have you noticed that? I mean, just absolutely ridiculous. That, you know, things that you could say a few years ago. Oh, you can't say that. The other day, what did I read? Oh, there was the woman who who was breastfeeding in Nando's. And the people complaining weren't Nando's. They said, no, you get your boobs out anywhere you like and breastfeed around here. We couldn't care less. It was women at another table. And then there was a woman who goes into a Tesco branch and she wants free parking because she was buying some powdered milk I think or something like that whatever it was it was a bizarre story and Tesco said no we don't give it for that they don't give it if you're buying cigarettes either so she made a big brouhaha about it it was it was the Tesco mother here we go mother refused free park at Tesco due to baby formula purchase she says she can't breastfeed her baby for medical reasons she said she was guilt tripped they learn these phrases so fast don't they guilt tripped because uh, she bought baby formula. Laura Leakes says staff refused to let her park for free because she bought only the formula during a visit to a store in Essex. She was told at a Tesco in Braintree that in order to qualify for the free parking voucher, she had to buy another product. The voucher is classed as promotion, and the law prohibits promotions on products including formula and tobacco. And... she says, uh, I remain, I couldn't solely breastfeed, but so it goes on. They, they've actually stuck to their guns. They've actually stuck to their guns on it. And uh, basically, they've said here that uh, the law bans multi-packs, bulk packs, loyalty stroke reward card schemes, free formula, price reductions, discounts or markdowns and buy one, get one free offers. A spokesman for Tesco said, we always strive to provide the best possible service for our customers and we understand Miss Leakes' request. However, due to UK law, we cannot promote baby formula in any way, including the offering of a parking voucher. So basically, Miss Leakes, you know, you're barking up the wrong tree. And so, you know, complain you have done, but uh, you've got nothing in the end because they're operating within... Within the guidelines of the laws in this country. Want to make a big deal about it, dear? Why don't you write to the Prime Minister? See what happens there. Because uh, they, were, they were following the guidelines. And that's it. Uh, another one here. Terrible about what you were saying. Uh, about how many we've lost this year. I know. It, it, it is. I mean, it's, it's quite a year for losing people. I mean, see, when I say it's quite a year, it is quite a year for actually losing a lot of, a lot of people. And, uh, and that's what's so sad about it, isn't it? That, you, that we do tend to forget, always... Oh, no, by the way, I think actually New Year's Day, I'm on breakfast for New Year's Day. I think I'm, on, I'm pretty certain I'm on breakfast. I think that's what my, uh, my big boss said to me the other day. I'm doing breakfast on Christmas Day, and I think New Year's Day, they're both Sundays, I'm doing, I'm doing breakfast on there as well. That's nice, isn't it? We can, we can sort of we can reminisce over how drunk we got the night before. Not in my case. Not in my case. I should be going to bed early and committing myself 100%, as you know. Uh, they found a Victoria Cross in the Thames mud. God, that's a thing to find. That is a thing to find. They'll know whose it is. It's worth about £50,000. It was badly weathered. And it was found by a mudlark, Tobias Neto, has refused to disclose exactly where he discovered the award because he still hopes to unearth the medal's missing suspender bar and ribbon, which could double the value of the find. He comes from Putney. Wow. So whose is it? It's interesting. They, they think it could be Private John Byrne. There are 14 other of these in, uh, in private hands. 
So it could be. But if, if, he, if he can find the other bits of it, which are supposed to be quite difficult to find, um, he might end up with £100,000. 100000 Although it does actually belong to somebody. Because it's been found, it become I don't know if it becomes treasure trove. Would that be treasure trove? Probably. Probably, probably... Right, I won't. Uh, front page of the Daily Star. Ola, my sexy plot to win. Unfortunately, Ola, you're just so desperate, so desperately, tragically naff, that the best you can do is pose in a bikini. I mean, you know, it's a bit tragic. I mean, can't you find something else that you could sort of do? I'll sneak in extra sexy bikinis to win the Battle of the Babes. Unfortunately, once they've heard your dreary lines of chat... They're just going to be voting you for every Bush Tucker trial. I know they are, because I've just got that feeling that the British public are so cruel that we're going to thrive on your misery. And then, of course, we'll have to put up with your uh, dreary, dreary husband. He might pop up on something else. Uh, There's also a story in the paper today, Walnut. Walnut gets his last walk. And uh, loads of people turned up. He didn't so much walk as just sort of hang on his owner's arm. They sort of he stuck his hand under his tummy, and that was it. Must be terribly uncomfortable for him. And then he's whisked away at the end. And at eleven thirty yesterday, uh, Walnut departed to that great place in the sky where lots of much-loved animals go. But uh, I mean, he, he he got that that coverage on the television. He made the coverage in the newspaper. It's also the fact he's called Walnut that I think people thought. I've never heard of a dog called Walnut before. You know, quite uh, quite sad. Uh, also a little picture of the paper of Megan McKenna. You won't know who she is. She's another bimbo off a television reality show. And she's deleted uh, Pete Wicks, who's her on-off boyfriend's special media account from her phone, to show she trusts him again. These people are so pathetically stupid. She's so desperately lonely. She needs some sort of help. Uh, and the help could be offered by, well, nobody really. Except... There's no, there's no, they don't have private lives, these people. They sell every aspect until they get to about 40 and then we suddenly go, oh, God. Look at that stupid woman who claimed that she'd uh, won the lottery with tickets in the, in the washing machine. Turns out to be a load of old lies, doesn't it? They tried to make something out of her, nothing at all. The bloke who thought he was something else, all handled by the same peculiar agent who sort of wanted to foist these people. You know, White D from Benefit Street, a tragic case of somebody who never should have been allowed into the media spotlight at all. She was just an average person on television. Luckily, she's got her life back in order now. But uh, let's see how long that goes before you read another dreary story. And Lulu has been signed up by Gary Barlow for his BBC One talent show, Let It Shine. He's, uh, she's going to join um, Martin Kemp and Danny Minogue as well. Now, we know Martin Kemp's doing it. I didn't know Danny Minogue's doing it. So I'm quite pleased about that, actually. Uh, Paul Gascoigne has got lots of new pain. The reason he's got lots of new pain is because apparently he might or might not have verbally abused a woman on a train station. And, and we think he's drinking again. I don't, you know, I don't know what we do about it. I, I really don't know what we can do about it. There's no, there's no answer. We, we've offered him all the, the guidance that there is. And that's about as far as it goes. And Jacqueline Josser, you won't know who she is. She's the one with the abusive boyfriend who's uh, nasty. And she's hit out at her online trolls. She's in uh, EastEnders. She often suffers nasty comments on social media over her weight. Well, then come off social media. You know, if you can't hack it, get out. She says, nowadays you have to go on Twitter to see what people like and what people don't like. If someone makes a fair comment, I'll think, OK, that's cool. But uh, I try not to pay attention. All you've got to do, I've explained this to, you, to people before. If you're on Twitter or you're on social media and somebody writes something offensive, click. Gone. They vanish. They never appear again. It's so simple. Let, let them think that they're writing to somebody, but they're not because they're a bit thick. 
You know, it's all you have to do. But to go to the papers every time is just blooming boring. 12 minutes to uh, 7, Sunday Express. Today, May can trump EU on trade. And uh, meet the family. No, Megan's gone home, so she never met anybody. She only just probably saw his... Do you think they've got white bed linen? I only ask, because I don't know, I don't know if, if the royal family, you know, I mean, whether or not uh, Harry can actually iron sheets and pillowcases and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm beginning to wonder, actually, what sort of bed linen they've got. Do they have really, really expensive monogrammed bed linen with H for Harry on it or something like that? Because I'm, I'm s- suspecting, because they never went out for dinner. She's been here for two nights. They were never seen out for dinner anywhere. Do you think it was just a cosy breakfast in bed, lunch in bed, tea in... I mean, he's 32, for God's sake. You know, he's not getting any younger, and now he's found a little girly to go out with, which is all very exciting. So she had two days with him, and then he goes off to the rugby with somebody else. I mean, I don't really know what's going on. So she's not met Prince Charles. There simply hasn't been time. She was here for two days. Listen, if he'd wanted to meet her, he could have met her. Why would he want to meet her? Why would he seriously want to meet her? He doesn't want to meet her. Okay, let's just one of Harry's girlfriends. Harry has a girlfriend. You seriously think you have to, in the royal family, go, uh, well, Charles has got to meet her for approval. Harry's been there. Come on, grow up. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Want to get pretty nice to be company. Seven minutes to seven o'clock, along with breakfast this morning. Andrew Castle will be here. And uh, just after that, with her... Um, sticker on her broomstick. It's Katie Hopkins. I'm sure she'll be looking forward to it. She will be observing the two-minute silence. It'll be the longest she's ever been quiet, I should imagine. But uh, she will have to do it because we on LBC do it every year without fail. Uh, I'm Steve Allen with you till seven each and every morning. Tomorrow, uh, back with you between four and seven. You can follow me on Twitter at Steve Allen Show. And I'm back this evening within conversation. And uh, it's a really nice in conversation. Darren Brown will tell you what the key to happiness is. And there's something we could all learn. And Nadia... Sorry? Yes, I know. It's young, young Sawala's in. Nadia Sawala's in. She's got a, um, a book out which will help you lose weight. And she's very enthusiastic. We make her laugh, and that's all that matters. And I always say every time I mention her that her mum and dad will be listening to this programme. So, uh, so that's good as well. So uh, all in all, a nice day. But if you're coming into central London... For the Remembrance Sunday, don't drive. Come in by public transport. It'll make it so much easier. And don't forget, there are lots of taxis who are offering free rides to uh, old soldiers uh, to the Cenotaph. OK, which is good news there. Uh, the Daily Mail, the, the Mail on Sunday, looking today at... Uh, uh, well, first of all, you can get your chocolate advent calendar. can't believe we're into advent calendar so soon. And you could pick it up today. But they've clamped down on a charity... Uh, This is a military charity that's been banned from collecting donations amid growing concerns that rogue fundraisers are pocketing millions of pounds intended to help wounded war veterans. Support the Heroes was dramatically closed down on the eve of Remembrance Sunday after it was exposed for allegedly misleading the public over how much money it gives to good causes. Two more military charities are also being investigated after failing to pass on to veterans the vast majority of money which they raise, which is not good. One here, one, one charity raised £3.1 million, but gave out just £250,000. This is called thieving rip-off. That's what it is. So, you know, do not give to the wrong charities. These are unscrupulous people. Uh, there was one here... Uh, our local heroes foundation. They've all picked the word heroes to put in there because it makes it sound terribly official. It makes it sound as though you're really giving to a good cause. They got £500,000 in donations, according to the paper. 
uh, but only spent £10,000 on projects. So there's £490,000 wallowing around. I wonder where that's gone. I wonder where that's gone. A lot of people here have been saying this, this is really bad. There's one here. This is uh, uh, an alleged conflict of interest is being investigated because Support the Heroes is run by two of a man called Tony Chadwick. He's linked to three of these, uh, two of his former business partners. According to the most recent accounts, the charity has raised 191000 More than 60000 was paid to targeted management. The same company had a contract that guaranteed it up to 80% of the money collected for Our Local Heroes Foundation over five years. Another company run by Mr Chadwick called Prize Promotions was used by Afghan Heroes, a charity backed by Prince Harry. The charity set up Raised 3.1 million, but only 25, 250 grand was passed on. I mean, it's really, it's really not, it's not good. Uh, Support the Heroes trustee Pauline White denied breaking charity rules, claimed they donated more than 220,000 to good causes. Well, I'm sure they might have done. What the public want to know is how much of what they pay to you is going to the actual charity. That's why I've said don't ever give to people collecting on the street. Do never, ever, ever in a million years give to a chugger because before, you know, your money goes to the charity, you're paying them about 12 quid an hour for standing on the street, jumping in front of you. You want to give to a charity, give to the charity. Give to the main charity. If they say we're actually collecting on behalf of, you know, gay babies, well, then go to the gay baby shop and donate to them. Donate directly. Do it directly. Don't do it via a third person who's getting their cut for standing on the streets. OK. Uh, Prince's girl, I don't know whether or not she's... Uh, given this interview or not. And uh, this is Harry's love, opened heart to Piers Morgan and talked about it. She says, I'm being mixed race. I'm half white, half black. Yes, we, we're quite well aware of what mixed race is. I mean, she's terribly patronising. We're all well aware. Do you know, to be honest with you, I never looked at her and thought anything. I never thought anything. I just thought this is Harry's girlfriend. It's just another one. This one happens to be an actress. The others happen to run all sorts of things. But if that's who Harry fancies... Well, that's up to him. I couldn't care less. On death threat, she says, people wanted to kill me. I never knew there were so many, so many emojis with guns and knives. Really? Where have you been, darling? What sort of little world are you living in? Is it the world of pink ice cream and lollipops and stuff like that? On her embarrassing moment, she said, I was a briefcase girl on Deal or No Deal. I've no idea what a briefcase girl is. Presume she brings in a briefcase, I suppose. I cringe when I think about it now, but it paid the rent. Uh, and on dating again, I've got a few guys being a little persistent. I'm just out of practice with the dating scene. Well, you're not that out of practice, love. You got on a plane all the way from Canada to come over for two days. That's not out of practice. Oh, God, I've got to go. That's not out of practice, is it? That's called, my God, you're, you're really up for it, aren't you? I've never heard of anybody getting on a plane, flying from Canada for two days of passion. I'm assuming that. And she didn't get to meet the Queen, Prince Philip, Prince Charles. She didn't get to meet William. Just got to meet Harry, who's going, I've got you for two days. We're not moving. I'll get pizza. And she's going, oh, good. <laughs> Can we not go out to the cinema? I'll get pizza, all right. Got a bottle of tequila in as well. Whee! Anyway, you have a nice day, everybody. And uh, if you're going to commemorate the war dead, then uh, with us at 11 o'clock this morning. You can listen to LBC whenever you want, wherever you are. You can download the free LBC app for your mobile or tablet and never miss a moment. I'm back at nine o'clock this evening with In Conversation as Cracker. Don't miss it. Leading Britain's conversation at ten, the broomsticks outside with Make America Great Again sticker on it. And uh, no doubt she'll be telling you all about that. It's Katie Hopkins. But right now, with breakfast for Remembrance Sunday, it's Andrew Castle. (laughs) 
If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday from 5am.